0: This morning, we're continuing our message series about the presence of God. We've looked at the big idea, we called it, this concept of quorum dea, which means living in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the honor and glory of God. And last week, we considered how we should be prepared for encounters with God, most of which occurred suddenly, we've discovered, and to the surprise and fright of the person who experienced them. Since we've been reminded that we are always in God's presence and we should be anticipating his work in our lives, this week I want to look at what scripture says about how our time is spent. And I typically begin preparing messages, topics well in advance. And as I was reading scripture and considering background slides for next week's message, which will be putting God first, I came across a pictogram like the one you see on the screen. And as I looked at this image, it became obvious that this is an important topic in itself which is how we spend our time in the presence of God. And time is so incredible to us, right? For a majority of our lives, we give it very little thought. Certainly, uh, that is the case until we get to the point that we realize our time on earth is, is finite, right? There's a limit, and, and, and we don't know what that limit is. And we tend to look at money this way. We realize money's limited, and so we, we hold very close and consider it very valuable because there's only so much of it. And our life is really the same way and, and far more important. Let me share an example that I recently heard. Man says, Imagine you have eighty-six thousand four hundred dollars. Eighty six thousand four hundred dollars says, but but ten dollars went missing. Would you be willing to give up that remaining eighty-six thousand three hundred and ninety dollars to go find the ten dollars? And probably not, probably not. Now, this isn't like the message of Jesus with the, you know, the 99 and he lost one. This, this is not that. I'm talking about your money, 86,390, to give it up just to go find that 10, maybe out of principle, but, but there are 86,400 seconds in a day. Things that happen can rob us of our joy, a, 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 maybe a tense interaction with another person. You stub your toe on the leg of the table and you're hopping mad. You know, life, stuff happens. And these things may only take 10 seconds of your time. So don't let it taint or ruin the other 86,390 seconds of your day. A similar analogy, a man and his son were entering the store. They saw a woman struggling to load her car and the cart started to roll away with a few bags and her toddler in it. And the father quickly stepped over and and stopped the cart and he he just gently walked it back to where the woman was standing. And she abruptly pulled the cart to herself and returned to unloading the cart. Without a word, the father and son continued in the store and then about their day. And later that afternoon, the son asked the father, "He said, Dad, doesn't it bother you that that woman was so unpleasant and rude? Didn't even say thank you for your help?" And the father said, "She should have thanked me, yes, but I didn't help her because I wanted her gratitude." Then the father looked at him and said, "I walked away from that cart hours ago. The real question is, why are you still pushing it around? Do you see? That was bothering the son." And it, for hours, he just sat there and chewing on it. And we do this. And the time the father spent helping another person was well spent. The, the, the conversation with the son was too. And the frustration of the sons was, um, was not time well spent. And the father went on to explain that time is so valuable. We can make more money, but we can never, ever make more time for ourselves. And perhaps you've heard the saying yesterday's history. Tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift, and that's why they call it the present. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8 says this. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun, under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Now, how many people have the song Turn, Turn, Turn in their head from the birds? You guys don't know it? I won't put it there. It'll be in there all day living rent-free. You'll think about it and you'll, for every season, right? But on the background side, you can see an image. And it looks like a pie chart, like six sections of this pie chart. And they read, trusting in his timing, rely on his promises, wait for his answer, believe in his miracles, rejoice in his goodness, and relax in his presence. And I believe that in every moment of your life, you're in one or more of these sections. This morning, we're gonna to, to look at what scripture says about these ways of spending our time and identify which place or places you're in now and whether I mean whether you recognize it or not, you are. So to begin with, trust in his timing. It's the Apostle Paul that reminds us in, in 2 Peter 3, 8, um, or Peter who reminds us in 2 Peter 3, 8 through 9, he says, do not, do not regret this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And something that comes from that is God's not on our time schedule, not even the same measure of that. But what's good, where what the comfort is, he is patient with us, right? And he needs to be. He doesn't want any of us to perish. He will wait for us to come to repentance. And, a verse, and we often, a verse we often lean on in times of need is found in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven twelve. 11, 12. He probably recognizes this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a the future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is likewise. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Some translations say, we'll guide your steps. And along those lines, Private Ball says, says, in the hearts, humans plan their steps, right? I'm a planner, right? Yes, I'm a planner. It says, the heart, the human's hearts, in their hearts, human plan the course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Even Jesus is accountable to his father's timing. More than once, he's asked to do something, and in response, he says, it is not yet my time. We studied this on a Wednesday night a few weeks ago when his mother came to him at this wedding and said, they're out of wine. And this is the first miracle when Jesus turned the the water to wine and and he said, it is not yet my time. And often we find Him in scripture saying, it is not my time to, to reveal myself or to reveal God's plans to the world yet. Even the timing of Jesus' return is not known by him, but only by the father. That's scriptural. So we have to trust in God's timing. If we trust in God's timing and trust that he has a plan and purpose for us that's good, then sometimes we just need to trust in that. And that's gonna tie in here in a minute. We also need to rely on his promises. Now the Bible is the inspired word of God. This is, this is what I call the, the, you know, the book for our open book exam of our life. Life is difficult, but every answer to every question you will face is here and it is an open book exam. And this Bible is the inspired word of God and and God does not lie. Therefore, every word in the Bible can be read as a fact and as a promise from him. Such as the one found in Isaiah. I'm just gonna read several from Isaiah and you'll recognize it. So do not fear for I am with you. These are God's words. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. This When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Again, the, Isaiah fifty four ten. now. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. God has made promises and we can rely on them in, in, in times of abundance, and times of, of trouble. Listen to the words from the prophet Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that so there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Rely on his promise when you feel called and compelled to give more than maybe you, know, you, you would give without hesitation. He says, give joyfully, but this is the promise that he makes. This is one of the promises you rely on. Bring it all in, do it fully, and watch what I do. In the passage I shared moments ago from Jeremiah about the good plans he has, that's a promise he has made for you. And similarly in Romans 8, we know that all good things, all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Rely on that promise. Even Jesus has made similar promises. John 16, 33. I've told you these things, that so me, you may have peace. Here's the promise. In this world, you will have trouble. Man, I wish he hadn't said that. But at the same time, I find comfort in knowing Jesus says, it's okay, the stuff you're going through, I saw it coming. And he says what? He says, take heart, I have overcome the world. It's him who also says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. There's your promise. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. There are so many promises that bring us comfort. Sometimes we we find ourselves in a period when we must set aside our worry, get out of his way and rely on his promise to us. Wait for his answer. This is a tough one. With the advancement of technology, we've really become an instant gratification society. You guys remember the days, if you wanted to get a hold of someone, you'd call them. If they weren't home, it'd ring, 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 ring. At some point in the past, they had an answering machine. But if not, you just left a message and you try later, right? What happens if you try to call someone now and you don't get them? You text them, right? You text them. <laughs> you text them. And then... And if you, they don't respond, then what do you do? Uh oh, something's terribly wrong, or they're terribly mad, right? We don't really know that. Um, and, and, and if they're family, you might even scold them because in three minutes when they finally call you back and they, you find out they're in the restroom, you're like, why didn't you pick up? I mean, what did we ever do when we couldn't get a hold of someone every second like that? But, but waiting on God takes more than patience, it takes faith. Faith that includes trusting in His timing because God may have some pieces that he has to move around first before he can give you what you want or what you need. It also includes relying on his promises because God may have a better plan for you, one, to prosper you and give you hope, right? So sometimes we're waiting around for him to answer our question, our our request, our, our prayer, and we have to trust in him while we wait. God does promise to answer you when you call on him. It just may not be when or what you're hoping for or expecting. And it's a psalmist who writes in Psalm 32, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Ask him, see what he, and he'll answer. Lamentation says, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the Lord. It's good to wait in a verse that I certainly lean on when I find myself in a period when I'm waiting on the Lord without patience, Philippians 4, 6-7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, by asking, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it doesn't say the answer necessarily will. He says, but by in everything... Don't be worried about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, by talking to God, and petition, by asking him, with thanksgiving, God, thank you for even listening to me, present your request. He says, by presenting your request, that's when the peace comes in. Why? Because you're trusting in him, relying on him, and you're waiting on his answer. And you will be blessed with peace while you're waiting. <coughs> it's almost 91, 14 through 15. David writes, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. Now, David became a great king, but he didn't have the best, perfect, or easiest life up till then. I mean, he was being pursued to be killed, and he would often rely on the Lord and his lament. He says, he will call on me. This is David, or, or we will call on God. He says, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. These are promises. Next, we come around the corner. It says, "Believe in his miracles." Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven says, "I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Is there anything he can't do?" I mean, even Jesus says this. With it, it is what is impossible with man is possible with God. And this tells us that God can do it all. There are many miracles recorded in, his, in in Scripture. Several in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament. We've already talked about Jesus turning water to wine. We know the story that he fed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fish. Countless stories of healing. When Jesus calmed the sea and when he walked on water, just to name a few. And if you read the book of Matthew, you can discover for yourself the story behind these miracles. And I believe the greatest miracle is the one that saves our souls and gives us eternal life in the kingdom despite what we deserve, despite our ways. It's miraculous that we have a hope. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Miraculous. Believe that. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amazing. And if you believe that God sent his only son to be pure and blameless sacrifice for your sinful life, when I say your, I mean our sinful lives, then you believe in his promise that you are valuable to him and you are loved. You also believe in his miracle salvation and this should bring you great peace regardless of how life is going at the moment. God loves you, period. (coughs) Next, rejoice in his goodness. This is an easy one, but we often overlook it, right? Just being content, being happy. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We have a good and constant and stable God who loves you no matter what, and he wants to bless you, and more importantly, wants a relationship with you. And nothing captures the concept of rejoicing in God's goodness like the book of psalms listen to some of the words written to express this joy surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever these are happy words they speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and i will meditate on your wonderful works they tell of the power of your awesome works and i will proclaim your great deeds they celebrate your abundant goodness and joyful sing and joyfully sing of your righteousness Also in Psalms, let him give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Rejoice, be thankful. And last, relax in his presence. Another reminder of trusting, relying, believing and waiting, relax. Isaiah 26, three, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. If rejoicing in His goodness is often overlooked, then then taking the time to relax in His presence is probably right behind it. It is good to take rest. God needed it; He requires it of us. He calls it the Sabbath, and our bodies were created to spend quality time in rest. What happens if you don't get enough sleep? All kinds of things, right—from grumpiness to you know medical issues. What happens when you when you don't rest and take care of your body? The same thing. We're designed to need rest. And God is a place where we can relax in his presence. And I'm not talking about laziness. I don't want to make an excuse for that because God loves slothiness. slothiness. Laziness, we'll use laziness because I don't know the tense of sloth. Anyway, it's not a period of laziness. It's not an excuse to become lazy. But at the same time, don't consider something, this, this break laziness. And it's not that. And it's not a period of anxious waiting. We're not sitting around going, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna hang out here worrying about what's gonna happen next. It's, it's simply relaxing and being joyful and content. Listen to these familiar words that David found uh, wrote in, in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. This is from the NIV, so it may be a little different than what you're used to hearing. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. and that a picture of relaxation in his presence? He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's not just exciting. That is calming. 23rd Psalm. He also writes these other words in Psalm 27, 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? It's hard to relax when you're scared. It's hard to relax when you're worried. Psalm 9, 9 through 10, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name, trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Go to his presence to find a place to relax. You don't have to be relaxed before you get there. It's like church. If we all had to be perfect before we sat here, we would, there would be no one here, including me, right? Don't wait. God says, come into my presence with whatever burdens don't leave that at the door, bring it here. These are poetic words of peace found in Psalms and, and a peace when, you, when we simply relax in his presence, trusting in his timing, relying on his promises, waiting for his answer, believing in his miracles and rejoicing in his goodness. That's a full day and that is time well spent. And because of that, Ephesians 3.12 says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Hey, because of the gift of his son, you can now approach the presence of God wherever that is with freedom and confidence to do so. So where are you in this picture? You know, what, where should you be? You know, you might be, you know, facing a, a, a medical appointment this week and, or, or the words of a diagnosis. Are you are relying on his promises that he's in control? Are you believing in his miracles? That no matter what that says, that he is going to do something powerful. Are you rejoicing that you have a good, good father that cares for you? Are you going to relax, right? You may have questions about what's happening this week at work. Maybe you're in a great spot. I mean, life is just fantastic. Rejoice in his presence, right? Thank you, God. That now I have nothing to worry about. For one second in my life, maybe these are the 10 seconds, the only 10 seconds that feel good today. Let them get into the rest of the day. The original picture I saw like this was kind of a cycle and I didn't like that cycle idea because I don't know that you necessarily go from one to the other. I think you need to kind of have a part of this in everything you do. I don't think you trust in him and then you rely on his promises. I think all this ties together. And each one of these should bring you a measure of peace. We should relax, but be prepared and enjoy his presence and be prepared for it. Let's pray. Father God, you are with us always, which means we are always dwelling in your presence. Father God, first let us recognize that that we know that there is this promise that you fulfill every day that says there's not a place where we go, not a thing we will do, not a thing we will face, that you aren't right there with us. God, as we do that, let us feel your presence. Let us honor you in all that we do. Let us live a life that glorifies you and recognizes your authority. God, help us to trust in your timing And I know that may be a a bit of a risky prayer because you may have to pull on our faith a little bit for us to learn to rely more on you, on your promises and your timing. Lord, help us to recognize the many miracles in our life and in our day. I'm not just talking about the miraculous things are unexplainable by science. I'm just talking about looking out the window right now and seeing the beautiful dogwood (coughs) trees blooming throughout the woods the beautiful green grass, hearing the birds chirp, the clean air, the blue skies. We are so blessed with this creation. God, help us to, to rejoice in this, in your goodness, even if what we're experiencing in life doesn't feel that good, you are. And certainly, certainly, help us to relax and take peace in who you are. That, is what brings you joy, is to know that we are under the shelter of your wings, leaning hard on you. God, I just wanna take a moment now to pray for all those who are seeking you, whether they're in this room listening online or, or have no way of knowing that what we're even talking about this morning, there are people in this world that just need to realize that they're in your presence. Father God, we ask that for them. God, help us to Be a part of that process, whatever you call us to do. We thank you again for who you are and what you mean to us. In your name we pray, amen.